0: BMX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on pulpocky.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite
1: podcast app.
2: Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Support the show. Click on the Amazon banner on pulphockey.com. Make a purchase, and we get a small slice of that as well. Also, to the two-under, number two UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Uh, No drip tip, Joey Pouch, the number one underwear out there for NHL players. A ton of guys use them. If you want to save at two-under, you want to try them out, use the code FERRARO20 to uh, save money at uh, two-under.com, and we thank those guys for supporting the show. As usual, subscribe to it on iTunes, get it on Stitcher app on your smartphone, and of course, PulpHockey.com as well. With me on the line is a guy that's played a ton of games in the league, had a number of great years, over a 1,000 games, and when he retired, he was one of only 16 guys with 500 points and 2,000 penalty minutes, played the game offensive, defensive, can do it a little bit of everything, and was the first captain of the Ottawa Senators as well. Laurie Boshman, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much, Steve. I'm glad to be here with you this afternoon. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm surprised. So you're living in Ottawa right now. Yep. After that debut inaugural expansion year, I would think you'd want to get out of Ottawa and get all <laughs> memories out of there because yeah, that was a rough year for expansion team. Yeah, it it, it really was a, a difficult year, uh, Steve. But it, it
0: certainly was the, the most difficult out of the 14 years that I'd spent in the National Hockey League mm-hmm. with, you know, with an expansion team. Uh, you know it's going to be a difficult uh, start right. um you know for the first few years because uh of just the the, the way you know the draft is and the in the league is and and that they don't uh, give expansion teams uh, top players <laughs> no although although they've changed that a little bit a uh, little bit uh, in in the years mm-hmm. uh, uh since then but uh, but uh, but you know one of the things was is uh, uh my wife and I are both from uh, out in western canada both from saskatchewan and we mm-hmm. thought uh, after we were here in Ottawa, we thought we'd head back out west, and right. we said, uh, uh, you know, after I retired and we stayed here, our kids were younger, our three boys were younger, and we said we really liked the area. I mean, uh, professionally, it was very difficult that last year of hockey, but mm-hmm. we really liked the area, and, you know, one year turned into three, turned into five, and then we <laughs> thought, you know what, our young kids, we, we may as well keep them here. This is a great place to raise a family, sure. and, and we're quite pleased that we stayed in Ottawa. It's our obviously our capital uh city here it's uh like in the US it's like uh Washington D C is to uh yeah. the US. So it's a beautiful city. It's got lots to offer. Uh uh it's got uh you know it's got mountains, uh it's got hills if you like uh any kind of outdoor activity, they've got it in spades here in Ottawa. It's a beautiful city.
2: Yeah, I grew up in Winnipeg, so we didn't have a, we had a lot of flat cold, as you know, and you know what Winnipeg was <laughs> yeah. like. But I flew yeah. into Ottawa um, for my real job covering motorcycle racing, and I cut food in Ottawa to cover a race out there. And I was, it was my first time in there, mm-hmm. and I was surprised, like okay, big city, Ottawa, nice city, but then also too, like not far outside of Ottawa, it's really rural, it's really country. You know yeah. it's it's really i was surprised i just i expect it to be like just toronto where it's just miles and miles of concrete you know but it wasn't right yeah yeah no it's beautiful beautiful city it's our fourth largest
0: city in canada here it's about a million two and uh you know outside of uh toronto vancouver and, and montreal mm-hmm. um it's uh it's it's uh you know it's 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 big city it's got everything but you're right uh, it's uh very close to the uh urban center is uh, obviously there's rural all mm-hmm. the way around and so if you like skiing biking hunting fishing uh, lots of lakes yeah. uh, of course across the river is the province of Quebec uh, just right across uh, by the parliament uh, buildings. you go across uh, across the uh, the Ottawa River and, and you're into uh, to Quebec and there's in the upper Gatineau is, it's beautiful there's lots of good skiing uh, you know good biking mm-hmm. uh, and great cottage country so it's just a just a lovely area do you do much with
2: the alumni? That was the Senators and the alumni. Do you? Uh...
0: I, I do, Steve. Yeah. I, uh, I I am now the the president of the Ottawa Senators alumni. Oh, so there we go. I've been quite active with the alumni for the past twenty two years, and ever since I finished playing. And uh, we had a, a, a former teammate of mine, and uh, by the name of Brad Marsh, and Brad was our president for a number of years. Brad mm-hmm. and his wife moved back to Philadelphia, and so uh, they had asked me to uh, to take over that position. So we have. Uh, uh, a number of players uh, uh, that uh, played with the Senators that are now living in town. Uh, we have Radic Bonk and Jason York and, and uh, Todd White and Sean Van Allen and Sean Donovan and players like this mm-hmm. that, are, that are now living in the community and, and uh, are involved with uh, uh, you know with our alumni. We do a bunch of charitable work, uh, raise funds for different initiatives in the region, and so it's uh it's something that uh, that that our uh, our alumni is quite active
2: i don't know how much of a relationship you have with Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Sens, and i don't know how much he's active in the alumni or whatever but and i don't know him at all again I'm getting him just a fan, but when I hear him on radio shows or see him on t v seems like a good guy seems like a nice dude i don't know just me yeah well, you know what steve i i, I don't know eugene I've met
0: i don't know him well mm-hmm. i've met him on obviously on uh, several occasions sure but uh, he has been a big uh, obviously uh uh, supporter in the community of, uh, you know, obviously when when the team ran into financial difficulties, he uh, he purchased the team from uh, from Rod Bryden, and,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and,
0: and and so people who love hockey in this area, are, and there's lots of, lots of people. They call it hockey country here, and uh, they they uh, they are very uh, uh, grateful that Eugene Melnick picked up the team, and uh, and uh, the players are a big part of the community in that. So uh, mm-hmm. so I think. A lot of people are quite uh, are quite pleased that uh, that he sort of rescued the hockey club and that uh, there's NHL hockey here in Ottawa.
2: What are you doing these days for a living, Laurie? What, uh, what does Laurie Boschman do?
0: I have been working, Steve, for 22 years with a uh, Christian organization called Hockey Ministries International. We do uh, chapel programs right across the hockey landscape from the National Hockey League all the way down to junior hockey. Okay. Uh, we have over uh, 280 teams that we provide. Uh, this chapel program for, and we do hockey camps in uh, in schools and 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 that right across Canada, United States, uh, uh, U.S. Oh, Canada, U.S., Sweden, Switzerland, oh, and wow. Slovakia. So, obviously, most of those countries are hockey playing countries, and so that's uh, that's what I do. We have about last year we had about 2,000 young boys and girls, age nine through 17, come through our program. And uh, so, so that's what I've been doing for the last 22 years.
2: Oh, nice. Sounds interesting. Sounds like it's a different thing every day, kind of, maybe, right? A little, little, little different yeah. phone calls, different emails, yeah, very, whatever, very, yeah. Very good uh, very good variety, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in asking um, a lot of guys from your era and the, these different podcasts that I do with, with ex-NHL players, played for a few different teams, thousand, mm-hmm. thousand, over 1,000 games, but when you meet a fan on the street, mm-hmm. what do they want to talk to you about? What does What do they remember Lori Boschman about? Like what? What? I mean, Kelly Rudy told me it depends on the age of the guy. You know, there's different yeah. couple of different things. But what, what do you get when people say, "Hey, Lori Boshman, I remember you"? Well, you know what? Uh, uh,
0: probably Steve. Uh, and, and and what Kelly Rudy said is uh, is extremely accurate. It just depends, like. It, the The age of the fan has to be about forty and over. Mm-hmm. I'm fifty five now, so yep. they have to be a certain vintage to remember <laughs> uh, when you played, right? Right, uh, right. And the fact that you did play. Now, I do meet some people, obviously in Ottawa. Here, um, uh, I was thirty three when I were retired, and uh, you know, if you you run into a uh, you know a, an early you know twenty to twenty five year old, they weren't even around. Yeah, uh, basically when uh, you know when I was last playing, so so the person has to be at least 30 years old and and over. So usually the, scary, you know, right? It's very scary, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah.
0: <laughs> but they they usually ask like, you know, what was it like, you mm-hmm. know, and what was it like to play with Wayne Gretzky in Edmonton or what was it like to play with um uh uh, you know, uh, like against Mario Lemieux, yeah, and, sure. and you know, like things like that are of great interest. And you know, and, and then I go on to say, well, as a 19-year-old in Toronto, starting out with the Leafs, I actually played against Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe was finishing his mm-hmm. NHL career with the Hartford Whalers, and he was playing with Mark and Marty, his brother or his brothers, his, his sons. Sons, yeah. And 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 so it was just amazing. He was 52 years old; I was 19. And the reason I remember his age is because my father. Was the same age as Gordie Howe, and uh, <laughs> so I couldn't believe I was playing against a legend in Gordie yeah. Howe. But the fact that he was fifty-two, the same age as my father, and I was nineteen in the National Hockey League was incredible. So, um, so a, a lot of things I, uh, yeah. you know, people want to talk to you about. They, they ask you about the money. They ask you about, you know, when you played. Did you make as much as they make today? Because <laughs> of course now with the internet and yeah. you know, we didn't have that around no. back when. You know, when when I was finishing in in the 90s, I mean, the internet uh, kind of come around in the early 90s, and mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't have all that information that the young generation has now with the smartphones and all those kinds of things. So, so they want to ask about that, and and you know, what do you think of uh, of the fact that uh, what the players make today? And my reply always is, uh, you know, I'm very happy for them. I don't uh, begrudge them or anything mm-hmm. like that uh, with the amount of money that uh, that they're that they're, uh, you know, being able to make and, and anything like that. I, I think I it was just a privilege, and I consider it a great, uh, um, you know, blessing to be able to do something that I love to do, and that's play hockey, and I made a good living at it uh, during, you know, m- yeah. my career from 79 to
2: 93. So I've got nothing to complain about. Yeah, you, know, you just very good to me. you just missed the good now, putting the salary disclosures out there, which jumped... You know, around that mid nineties, right when you kind of hung it up, the salaries just went through the roof. If you could have played a little, few more years, you probably would have saw a big jump. You know, it really yeah, helped lot, you guys out. Yeah,
0: yeah, Steve, lots of lots of uh, 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 like alum, alumnus from a lot of different teams says. Uh, you know they'll they'll say you know i was born just 5 years to earth. <laughs> <laughs> i know huh you know that that kind of thing but you yeah. know what again it's all perspective right uh, we we made we made good money when we played uh, certainly not you know what the average nhl player makes right. 2.8 million dollars so uh, you know that's a, that's a sizable difference
2: from what we made but it's yeah. all you know it's all relative right yeah no for sure did it, you it, it, it really is what was your best contract, if you don't mind me asking? Like, how much were you pulling in and what years? When you were 30-goal scorer around there or later yeah, on?
0: Well, no, it was, it was uh, you know, back in back in our day, Steve, what happened is you weren't paid for your potential. Mm-hmm. You were paid for what you accomplished. So, in other words, if you scored 15 goals one year or, you know, three years, uh, and then all of a sudden your contract came up, uh, they'd pay you for what you had yeah. done. Yeah. Uh, where uh, you, you know in the '90s it changed. I mean, for example, Alexander Degg was uh, the, the top pick, right. the number one pick overall. Uh, Chris Pronger was the second pick in 1993, and Alexander Degg got a, a 12.69 million dollar contract, which was unheard of mm-hmm. because here's a, a young player who had he had not scored a goal, not had an assist or anything in the National yeah. Hockey League, and he was paid strictly on his potential. Where you know, a guy like Brett Hall was in St. Louis at the time, scoring 50 goals, and and Alexander Digg, with a signing bonus and his first year salary was going to make more money than him. So yeah. it, it really helped to move the you know move the dial on the salaries. Uh, um, uh, it, and so for that for that reason, it was very good for the players. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, you know, in our era, it was the longer you played, the more you made. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sitting across from Fergie trying to negotiate, too. I can imagine that. He's starting to yelling at you. Yes. They're <laughs> yeah. pounding well, Fergie, on the desk. Fergie
0: was very fair, though. You know, oh, he see, was? I was? Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I was my own agent in right. uh, in, in Winnipeg, and in, in you're a Winnipeg boy. And so John Ferguson, uh, Sr., was a, a National Hockey League player, played for the Canadians. I think he won about six yeah. in, the Cups in the nine years he played, and he was a tough left winger and a no-guff kind of guy. But he was fair and uh, John was very fair when you'd negotiate with him, and uh, I had a lot of respect for John
2: Ferguson. So you get drafted, you're uh, ninth overall. You get drafted by uh, my Toronto Maple Leafs. So I'm a fan of the Leafs. Okay. And uh, just, again, um, you know, the, the story is is that Harold Ballard, the owner of the Leafs, didn't like you... Uh, um, being religious, thought you yeah. were soft. Yet you, if you look at your penalty minutes, and I watched you play in Winnipeg, you anything but that. Is that true? Is that is that an urban hockey myth? Or you no, know? it's it's absolutely the truth,
0: uh, Steve. Uh, I mean, this is early '80s. This mm-hmm. is eight, 1981 when all this uh, kind of stuff transpired. And as you mentioned, I was a first round draft uh, draft pick by the least, ninth overall. Uh, my first year, I had a very good first year. Um, I, I don't know what those stats are, but sixteen I, I goals, I got, forty-eight
2: points, fourth in scoring yeah. on the team.
0: Yeah. There you go. So it was pretty good, pretty good start. Uh, and then my second year, um, I I got off to a, a really slow start. And and what happened was is is uh, my life sort of changed. My lifestyle sort of changed. Uh, I had a teammate uh, uh, on my team with the Toronto Maple Leafs by the name of Ron Ellis. So mm-hmm. And there was something different, uh, good about Ron Ellis. Uh, he had, uh, when I say he had his life together, he was really a consistent individual, both on the ice and off the ice. And, and, uh, there was something about his life that really, uh, uh, made all of my teammates take notice, including mm-hmm. myself as a 19 year old. And, uh, you know, he told me that he was, uh, born again, Christian, someone who, uh, used the Bible as a guide for uh, his life. And I'd never heard that before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Anyways, as the as the end of the season went on, I had this emptiness that uh you know that was very prevalent uh, even though I was 19, I made the NHL. Yeah, this was a good times, time. right? Yeah, yeah. 20, you know, yeah, it was yeah. Every, everything was great. I was making good money back at the, back in the day, six figures uh, mm-hmm. you know, had a car, had a cottage, all that kind of stuff and yet I wasn't happy. And um and and I became a a follower of Christ uh my during my the end of my first year. And so, anyways, um, what had happened from there, Steve, is that all of a sudden, uh, as you mentioned, uh, 16 goals, 48 points that first year, that was a pretty productive season. Yeah. I, I Come year two, and year two wasn't as strong as year one. And so, internally, there was some, there was some talk between the coaches and, and our general manager, Punch Imlek, at the time that, uh, you know, Boshman's got religion, so maybe he's got a little soft, right? So that's what they're saying internally. When it was the furthest thing from the truth, I mean, I was still playing the same way, yeah, just it's just that my production wasn't as good, so as a result they they sort of equated, okay, Boschman's got religion, so therefore uh you know that's the reason why his production's bad and then what happened is is at the end of that um, that second year, there was a lot of rumbling from the the management about you know what's wrong with Boschman and what are we going to do to fix the problem, and uh, we were playing one night in New York against the Rangers. Uh I was a single man at the time, and Mm -hmm. we're playing against the Rangers. Harold Ballard, the owner of the hockey club, goes on TV in between periods and he says that he's going to trade Boschman or send him to the minors because he's got too much religion. Oh, jeez! So this
2: uh, really so happened? Okay, I this, didn't know this, this really I mean, I read. I read about it. You know what I mean? But you don't know if what exactly went down. Yeah, but, if yeah. it gets urban legend or not. But it. You no, know, this is a fact.
0: Harold. <sighs> and, Jesus. And so yeah. I went. We flew back from uh, New York to Toronto that night. Uh, Daryl Settler, who was the captain mm-hmm. of the hockey team, he his late wife Wendy. Uh, Wendy passed away. Uh, about eleven years ago, and Wendy put a note on the door and said, "Daryl, turn on the VCR." Uh, and, and again, this shows <laughs> yeah. you know the, the the age because now we've got you know D V D podcasts, and all this kind of stuff. But back then, it was DVD. You know, turn on the DVD. You need to watch what's on there. So, Daryl. Turned the VCR on, watched the interview, because uh, Wendy was taping it. Mm-hmm. And then Daryl came to me in the morning and said, Bosh, did you hear what happened? And I said, no, is everything all right with Wendy and the kids? And he said, yeah. <laughs> but, and then he told me what happened. He said, just get ready. So, you know, just get ready to talk to the media after. And so, right, right. of course, the media wanted to find out what my reaction was to the owner saying, they're going to trade me or send me to the minors because i got too much religion. And basically what I said as a, you know as a 20-year-old kid... I said, I think it's Mr. Ballard's ignorance towards Christianity that he'd make a statement. Make oh, that's that's
2: ballsy. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically what I. Right. And
0: yeah. so of course, the media picked up on that, and there was lots of, uh, lots of uh, press coverage. Uh, with Mm -hmm. regards to, you know, what does it mean to be a born-again Christian, can you be a born-again Christian and play a physical like hockey, all of those kinds of things. So that that kind of followed me, Steve, throughout my career. It followed me to Edmonton when I got traded. It followed me throughout my whole career. And and so I was quite fine with that, because I wasn't uh, shy about the fact Mm -hmm. that my faith had made a big difference in my life, and uh, you know, off the ice and, I believe, on the ice. It helped right. me prepare and helped me be the person I am, uh, you know, today. And so I wasn't afraid or ashamed or anything like that of it. But but obviously there were some people in hockey that were quite uh, shy uh, or suspicious right. of, you know, it making you soft or maybe it would be a divisive thing or all of those kinds of things. So I kind of dealt with all that through the 14 years that I played hockey. And, uh, you know, it's part of what we deal with uh, today, although...
2: Uh, yeah, it's a little say, little different now. It, it's totally yeah. different yeah. now, yeah. So there's, there's much more openness you, you, and acceptance. You know what's hilarious, though? Okay, so you score 16 goals. It's not hilarious, but in a way. Mm-hmm. 16 goals, 80 games, um, 48 points in 80 games, your rookie year. The next year, you only play 53. You play four games yeah. in the minors, so maybe you were hurt for the other uh, 20-something games. You mm-hmm. scored two less goals... And 15 less points. Now, yep. if you look at the NHL, probably 90% of rookies see a uh, decrease in scoring in their second year. It's sophomore yep. slump. It happens to yep. a lot of kids. You're 19, 20. And to sure. just make the leap from being a uh, 15, you know, playing less games, scoring uh, two less goals and making the leap from uh, just a normal sophomore jinx to just oh it's the religion is just a massive massive yeah. miscalculation,
0: you know. Yeah, and it just kind of shows uh, where right. you know, where and how far things have have come today, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where you know, all of a sudden if something's a little offside, uh you know, if you're if you're playing not well, um, you know, the fact that you'd attribute that to somebody oh, uh
2: seems rather um, Well, you know, and fast also fast too fast. this I think you uh in their second year, this was the Sitler going to Philly and the yeah, strip captains, was. like what a clown show the whole Leaf yeah, organization was, yeah, right? Yeah, there really was a lot of uh,
0: there was a lot of internal strife between uh, Harold Ballard and, and Punch Harold Ballard the owner, Punch Imleck the general manager. And uh and mm-hmm. and all of us as players because they, they really tried to uh push the dial
2: back to the sixties. So, yeah, well Punch was there, right? Punch, so exactly. Yeah, Punch
0: yeah. was the last general manager when the team won in nineteen sixty seven and right. And you know he he you know one of the things he tried to do was take the ping pong table out so the players couldn't have a ping pong table. And it's kind of like why would you do that? And it's just because yeah, his, his you know his reasoning was well we didn't have one in '67 when we last won the cup, so we're not going to have one in you know in just, in,
2: ni- in '93 now. I had to put up all this or, as a Leaf fan, Laurie. As a Leaf fan growing yeah, up, I'm it, 41. I had to put up with all of this. It was terrible. <laughs>
0: well, well, Steve, that's that's why they haven't won
2: since 1967, uh, I know. right? I know. So that's, uh, and, and really, when you think about it, between yourself, they shipped off Carlisle, Russ Cortnell, even Phil Kessel, just a history of these terrible trades, um, you know, and just uh, oh, they just made so many bad decisions for so many years. And even like, I like Brian Burke, but that Kessel trade was terrible. And and you're just like, ah, oh, these guys, are they ever going to get it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, how how soon after you said that in the media did you get traded to Edmonton? Like, how many games did you play, and when did it happen? Uh, so it it happened uh, that probably uh, happened in in November, so it wasn't until March. Okay, uh, so you deadline. were kind of yeah. playing with a guillot, 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 guillotine over your head. I, I was, yeah, yeah. But the trade to Edmonton, you were probably all right with that.
0: I, I was. Yep. Yeah, I had to go to the Oilers. Uh sure. you know, my only regret obviously was I got traded to Edmonton uh and then to Winnipeg. Yeah. And I got traded to Winnipeg the next year and I got traded the year before the Oilers won their first cup, so I never got a chance to play on a Stanley Cup champion team and of course they had a you know, a stud of a lineup with Gretzky and Messier and Curry and Anderson yeah. and Fier and Moog and Coffee and all oh, the great yeah. players. So they have like uh, seven, seven to eight players from that team that are Hall of Famers. So, they had just an incredible hockey team. So, so uh, then I got to play against them for for the next seven years in the slate Division, which was yeah. kind of uh, painful.
2: Wow, Willie Lindstrom was probably happy. That's who you were traded well, for. Lindstrom was very happy he got <laughs> traded for me,
0: and of course, he went from winning a couple of Avco Cups in the World yeah. Hockey Association to to Stanley Cups
2: before he went back to Europe. Yeah, he was original Jet, right? Um, yeah. So um the trade from Oilers to Winnipeg you like mm-hmm. you said you spent you know after the trade deadline or whatever you were there and yeah. uh then you spent the 62 games in the early in the 82-83 season was it a, another thing where some people thought you were soft or was it a management issue or anything else or what do you think was the reason you were traded and was it a surprise or uh, uh you mean from uh, from, from, Ed, uh, from, Edmonton from Edmonton to, Edmonton Winnipeg. to yeah. Winnipeg yeah yeah uh, like oh. Glenn Sather, when Glenn
0: Sather brought me into the uh, hotel room, we were on the uh, road in Hartford, Mm -hmm. and um, I I was having a pregame meal, uh, again, on the trade deadline. I got traded uh, two years in a row on the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. And uh, John Muckler, the assistant coach, came uh, on the trade deadline day uh, just hours before the 3 o'clock Eastern time uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said to go up to Glenn Sather's room to see him. So I knew I'd been traded. I just didn't know where. Yeah went up to the room in Hartford and found I got a tr- traded to, to Winnipeg. And uh, Glenn said that uh, we did have some injuries with the Oilers, but uh, they needed the left winger to play with Gretz at that particular time. And so he said they, they didn't want to trade me. They were pleased with uh, mm-hmm. what I was doing, but they um, they thought this was a better move for their hockey club. And it turned out to be a very good move for me because once I got to Winnipeg, uh, John Ferguson, the general manager at the time, uh, you know, embraced me. Mm-hmm. Said, "Listen, don't worry about your your faith is not going to play a role here. Just play hockey, and uh, play hockey like you did when you were playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings in junior hockey, in the Western Hockey League. Yeah, and uh, and, and that's basically what happened, and that really helped to kickstart my my career."
2: Yeah, twenty eight goals, thirty two goals, twenty seven goals. Like you, I remember. And again, this was I was growing up in Winnipeg, yep. watching the Jets, listening to the Jets. Uh, a nice uh, a second line player. Sometimes you played with Howard Chuck, um, yep. and um, like you really found your stride in Winnipeg, scoring a lot I of did, goals. Yep. And, and and I remember too. Uh, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. At some point, I remember the big thing in the press was, hey, they've asked Boschman to be more of a checking guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they just, for whatever reason, and you did that too. Like just, mm-hmm. you also did a good job at that. But early on with the Jets, we'll get, we'll talk about your early time in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry Long was there. I think uh, maybe mm-hmm. eighty forty five was Barry Long. Before that was um, Tom Watt. Um, yep. Did you, did you start seeing Howard Chuck? The early of course, Howard Chuck drafted a few years earlier, number one center. Now you just yep. came from Gretzky. Um, I like to talk to people on this podcast and Howard Chuck was underrated. What a great player. Yeah, he he certainly
0: was, Stephen, you know, because you were, you know, a young person following hockey in Winnipeg at the time, and Winnipeg was kind of like uh I want to say like Minneapolis, like mm-hmm. uh um, you know, like Tampa, like Florida, those kinds of things. Uh they're they're not big market uh, uh hockey market places, and you can kind of get lost in those places, mm-hmm. uh, you know, San Jose, uh, you know, they're 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 not Toronto's. They're not yeah. New York. They're not you know those kinds of marketplaces. And Dale Howerchuk was an outstanding player. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer today. He he had those kind of numbers, and he was very underrated. And he played yeah. with Paul McLean uh, and uh, Brian Mullen, Those guys uh, were a very productive unit uh, for us. And and uh, and Dale was a great player. Uh, but again. Dale was a great player in a very, very difficult division in that Smite yeah. division. Um, and, and, again, playing, uh, you know, we could beat Calgary. We just had trouble beating Edmonton. So right. I played in the Smite division seven years, and, and six out of the seven years the Stanley Cup champion came out of that division. So yeah. Edmonton won five and Calgary won another one the year they beat us. And um, so we had a very good team, but we just couldn't get out of our – uh, 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 of our division
2: and then it and, seemed uh, like it seemed like so many years it was like hey they, they got the goaltending they got everything and then the next year would just they would tank and then a the new guy would come in and then hey we're back the jets are good you know yeah. the um, one year the beating beating calgary finishing second behind the oilers um yeah. beat calgary in the first round and then you know kind of go out but then you you could never like seem to the jets could never seem to build on they were up and down the success yeah. of one year and then would just tank the next year
0: yeah well i i, I I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, so much so much a tank as much as uh, like because the league, you know, just like it is today, it's very competitive. And mm-hmm. there's a, you know, back in those days, you could build dynasties where today you can't with the salary cap. Yeah. The the parity in the league was a little bit wider, and so the Oilers were by far
1: at that particular <laughs> yeah. time.
0: They were by far the the cream of the crop. Like they had the best young you know players in the in the game. And so they were better by a wider margin after they, you know, beat out the the Islanders and and won their first cup. They were, you know, at the top of the heap. So in order, mm-hmm. in order for other teams to either get out of your division or to win the Stanley Cup, you had to beat the Oilers. So you had to build teams that could compete that way. And they had uh, a few draft years that they drafted these incredible players. And teams were playing, you know, catch up for years mm-hmm. and years and years. So. So, you know, we would have a good season and we wouldn't tank necessarily but yeah. we wouldn't have as strong as year the next year. Uh and we had, you know, like Dale Howarchuk, and of course Thomas Steen was a uh, a, a great player and, and, and Dave Babbage was solid back there on the on the blue line and we had some you know, Bob Asenza was a good goalie, but again we just yep. we had good pieces but we just couldn't in a seven game series beat Edmonton.
2: Uh, some of what I read, uh, when I researched this, I remember you as a center in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, but a lot of things I read saying you're a left wing. Um, I was a center. Okay. Yeah. I I always was like, wait a minute. I remember you being a center. And at some point, um, you switched from uh, kind of a second line guy. Um, and I remember you played Howard Chuck with Howard Chuck on the power play a little bit. And they were talking about what a, what a tandem you guys made. um, and then at some point, you started being like a third-line guy, and you, they were like, hey, we're going to put Bosch on Gretzky. Mm-hmm. So what was that like?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, um, if you would, Steve, daunting, just because I, I don't think anyone over a, a long period of time was able to uh, stop Wayne Gretzky. What you try and do is contain mm-hmm. him so that he doesn't right. hurt you too badly um and there were days and games that you know that we were as as a team uh and maybe I had a role in that is to successfully contain him but mm-hmm. because he's such a great player he he could hurt you in so many different ways and he did and, and 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 if you took penalties that's where you know he'd really shine because he had great vision he could move that puck but it, it was a it was a very difficult assignment to try and you know yeah. uh, try and watch uh, and try and shut him down, but next to impossible to shut him down. So you tried to contain him and, and hopefully he, you wouldn't uh, you know he wouldn't do too much damage to you.
2: Did you just do the Asikin move and just follow him everywhere? <laughs> <Did you just laughs> there, there were times I did that, Steve. Yeah, there, <laughs> were, there were times. But then, when the puck turns
0: over, then you're, you know, you're on the offense. And yeah. You're going and you're taking chances. But all of a sudden, when as soon as the puck turned over, uh, the Oilers had great defense and they transitioned very quickly from, you know, from from defense to offense. And then they were they were gone. They were looking for that long as they call it today, the stretch pass. They are looking yeah. for that long pass, and then those guys were gone.
2: And I don't know, um, at some point around the mid-'80s, and I think they had changes for the Oilers, they started, mm-hmm. you know, when coincidental penalties were taken, they st- mm-hmm. they went from there was 4-on-4 four four for a long time, and the Oilers yep. just ruled. And then mm-hmm. at some point they were like, okay, we're going to just put another extra guy, extra guy in the ice so it's 5-on-5. Five five. And mm-hmm. the other two guys don't leave until the whistle goes, you know, after the penalty, but 4-on-4, yes. um, four and, four, and they were just... Oh, jeez! I remember it was just like one of those things where sometimes you were like, like again, like it was uh, Howard Chuck and Mullen and McLean and Hayward or uh, Senzo were playing well and yourself and Smale and and, like a solid team, a good team. And um, just was like, come on, man. What are these guys? You know, you, you just can't beat these Edmonton Oilers. And yeah. I, I mean, nobody could. So it wasn't just Winnipeg Jets. It wasn't just us. But but if you if you lived in Manitoba
0: and you were a fan of the Jets, it was awfully frustrating. It was terribly frustrating for us as players, Steve. But, yeah. You know, just because we, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we had some great playoff series against Edmonton, but yeah. in seven games, we, you know, we always lost. We never got <laughs> by the way, right? because they they won the cup so often. And they come out of our division, and so it was just extremely frustrating for us as players, and I'm sure it was the same for John Ferguson, our general manager.
2: Yeah, and you were a bit of a chippy guy, so did you try to get under Wayne's skin a little bit? How how'd that go? Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: I mean it, it. It. I mean Wayne's, you know, not gonna. He's not a, you know, he he never uh, dropped his gloves or anything. Right. Yeah. I think he had a couple of fights or anything, but but you know, back in our day, you had to be. Careful, uh, Steve, because you had they had enforcers, and so they had Nate mm-hmm. Stamenko, and they had Marty <laughs> McSorley, and they had, you know, Kevin McCollum. So yeah, if if you were doing stuff, you shouldn't be doing to one of you know their. Uh, their players, um, you had these guys that would keep you honest. So you had to be very careful. So it was a different era than it is yeah. today. Yeah, it's today, go-
2: there's not too many fights back then. Dude, there was plenty. It's gone now. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much gone. It's a yeah. different deal. So you yeah. had a few times Semenko come over to you and just be like, hey, Boschman, like I'm watching you?
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what? The good news was, Steve, is I played junior hockey with the Brandon Weekings with Dave Semenko, and Dave and I were friends. Okay. So I was never so happy that we were good buddies now. <laughs> Now, if if I took liberties with Gretzky, I'm sure Semenko would have come over and yeah. he would have done, done his job and right. he'd have tuned me in. But Dave Semenko was one of the toughest players who ever played the game, and, and uh, he was a tough dude. So we, but I, I didn't have to deal with him, fortunately.
2: Yeah, no, I remember like it was a big like you. I remember a few times that the press was talking about, hey, Boschman shut him down, but we couldn't stop Messier. You know, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, it just, yeah. one of those things. Did you, look, you played with a lot of great players. We talked about Howard Chuck, um, and he's an obvious guy, but those years in the Jets, is there a guy that stands out for you that, like, maybe doesn't get, that you thought was a great player that maybe nobody else did, or that you saw somebody day in and day out and you were impressed with them and, um, maybe they, you know, didn't get a lot of a press, but was there a guy like that on the mm-hmm. Jets?
0: Uh, uh-huh. Let me just think now, because like I think of a guy like Thomas Steen. Now, mm-hmm. Thomas Steen was recognized as being a, you know, a very good two-way centerman, right. and and he was he was that. Uh, I mean, there's no question about it. I think, I think there were a couple of players in Lucien DeBlois and Scott Arneil that were, you know, very good, solid two-way players, and in some cases they were very underrated. But um, you know, just really, really solid players. Uh, Lucien Debois, a scout yep. in the National Hockey League with Vancouver, and uh, Scott Arnell is the assistant coach with Elaine uh, Vigneault uh, today with the New York Rangers. So, mm-hmm. so uh, those, those two players are two two individuals that come to come to mind.
2: Yeah, right. When you when you start thinking about guys that are just yeah. solid, right. Um, yeah. The trade from Winnipeg. So again, like uh, at some point they switch you to kind of a third line checking guy. Mm-hmm. You're still scoring. Yep. You're still putting up points. But I remember the the switch was there. You know, you weren't no longer a thirty goal guy so much. But did you did the trade out of Winnipeg surprise you? How did that go down? Uh, did you know it was coming? And you went to New Jersey, of course, for uh, Bob Brook, I believe it was. So, I did. Yeah. Oh. So so um, John Ferguson had just lost his job as a
0: general manager, and, and a guy by the name of Mike Smith, who was the head scout, he mm-hmm. took over the uh, the Winnipeg Jets and and uh I think the writing was on the wall because w- once you get a new general manager like they're trying to change out players and yep. and personnel and different things and so I saw that that this was coming and so I went in uh, my contract was up mm-hmm. and I was my own agent as I mentioned earlier and I went into Mike Smith to talk contract and Mike Smith asked me if I'd consider a trade and I, I said <laughs> I I would and uh and uh i basically what happened is we negotiated a contract and he said i'll give you this contract if you agree to a trade to new jersey oh geez and I, I said great i said let's do it and I i you know i had no time to call my wife up this is before cell phones right all that kind of stuff to say you know listen honey what do you think <laughs> uh but i i knew it was a good move i knew it was you know it was time for me to transition and make that move and and uh, basically um i uh, i i agreed to that trade uh, he called up lou lamorello he asked me to leave the room called up lou uh they they uh confirmed the deal mm-hmm. uh asked me to come back in the room i was on the telephone and and lou said can you catch a two o'clock flight to uh, new jersey and i said yep yeah and this this was about 10 in the morning, and. And uh, so that's how it that's how it shook down, and I I drove home and told my wife I signed a new three year deal. But <laughs> good I'm news
2: in New Jersey. Good news, bad news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so that's how that that's how that went. Did you like? Did you enjoy playing in Winnipeg all those years? Was oh, it? Oh, I loved it. Did you? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Two two of our three boys were born there, mm-hmm. and uh,
0: I just love it. I'm a I'm a Saskatchewan boy. So okay, I'm so yeah, I wasn't next door and and uh so so I, I love the city it's a great hockey town i'm so happy that that you know winnipeg has hockey back nhl hockey yeah, can back. you can you it, believe it that it. Jeez, i know it's, right? it's fantastic yeah. i'm really pleased for the fans of manitoba and for the city of winnipeg and mark chipman's done a great job in bringing them back and uh you know both uh, kevin schevel and and uh, craig Heisinger, the assistant general manager, have done a great job with that uh, with that team.
2: I'm going to go off on a tangent that I've done a couple times on these podcasts and what bugs okay. me about it, like, okay, so, again, I'm a Leaf fan, but whatever, I'm still from Winnipeg, yeah. still follow yeah. them. I hate the fact that the Jets' records are the Thrasher's records. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, And okay. the retired uniforms and the alumni. Some of the Thrasher guys are considered alumni, and, and I know Phoenix has the everything, and, you know, they got yeah. Howard Chuck and Steen's jersey hanging up in Phoenix, and you're just like, come on, give them all back. Right, like give it, like I don't yeah. know. It just bugs me. It bugs yeah.
0: me. Yeah, yeah, so. it's different. And Mark Chipman hasn't uh, hasn't restored some of that old tradition. I think he's. I know. You know I, I think he's. Uh, I don't know how he's that goes. a break from
2: that, so he's 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 he's, he's just worried about the new. The I know Winnipeg Jets. I don't know? like so. that though. I feel like yeah. Ducky and Steen and yourself and these dudes should be up there trotted out, and you know, because there were some great teams in the mid '80s, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess it's yeah. just my own little <laughs> pet peeve. Yeah. Um so yeah, Jersey, what about your time there? Again, like kind of like Winnipeg, you could probably see a team building. Uh, it wasn't great, but you could see John McClain, Kurt Muller and these guys. I think maybe Sean Burke was there then or I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but yeah. you could see the genesis of a team that was Danico was probably there and growing, right? Yeah. Yeah, Scott Scott Stevens, uh
0: Brendan Shanahan, uh yeah, Shanahan. We we, we we had a very good team. Uh you know, and uh, and then of course I got uh uh, I got picked up by Ottawa in the expansion draft. Two years later, mm-hmm. and then, you know, two years they're good. <laughs> from that, they <laughs> yeah. won the Stanley Cup. They win their first Stanley Cup, New Jersey. So yeah. I, I kind of missed it in Edmonton and in yeah. in uh, and in New Jersey. So, so I really we really enjoyed our experience there. It mm-hmm. was uh, it was uh, you know nice to play there. The travel was a lot less, um, so so it was very nice.
2: You played against a guy
0: named Mario a lot though, because
2: you're in the Patrick yeah. Division.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Mary Lemieux, outstanding player, along with uh, Yager and Kevin Stevens, and and uh, you know, and uh, Joey Mullen. Uh, they they had a good uh, coach by Badger Bob Johnson. Yeah, could so you they, they have?
2: Could you compare Mariota Wayne? Just two different guys, I imagine. You know, again, yeah, you checked
0: t- both of them, right? But yeah, I, I did. But they're totally different players. I yeah. mean, Wayne Gretzky. You know, Mary Lemieux is about six foot four. Uh, yeah. he had a long reach. Uh, you know, a long loping stride, great handling the puck and stuff. Gretz was <clears throat> like a six-foot player, but he was thinner, and and uh, you know he was all about puck control behind the net, dishing the puck. You, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, played up high, uh, but his vision was incredible. Gretzky's vision, so so you, you know, totally different players, right? But but uh, you you know, I'd say equally as fec- uh, effective, but. Uh, you know, Gretzky had, of course, a great supporting cast in Yari Curry and in Anderson and, and Coffee and, and, and Charlie Huddy and those kinds of guys, where Mario for years didn't have that supporting mm-hmm. cast until they got, you know, Scott Stevens and some of these other guys there. And, uh, you know, then they were able to support him. And, and, of course, then they won a couple of cups. And, I mean, with Yammer Jar- Jager and Brian Troche yeah. and Ron Francis and. And then they had a great team on their own.
2: You, uh, but again, as a checking guy, a guy that has to do them, you just throw your hands up and you're like, "All right, I'm, I'm done. I quit."
0: Well, <laughs> well, you, you you never totally do that Steve, because, right. you, but it's it's kind of like uh, yeah. you appreciate their greatness, sure, sure. What really happens? You appreciate they're so gifted and so mm-hmm. hard. And that's back in the day where you could actually hook and hold, and you know, yeah. they allowed you to do yeah, some yeah. of that stuff. Where you know today you can't do that. So you know, you watch some of those. Um, you know, some of those, uh, uh, you know, videos and that, and, and you kind of oh, wonder if you heard the hockey being played today. It's totally
2: different. Yeah. I watch a lot of them. I, I have a subscription to the the vault, NHL vault on Apple TV, and um, there's some horrendous acts going on out there. <laughs> the whistles yeah. are not called. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Uh, did you know you were going to get uh, left unprotected? And uh, did Ottawa reach out to you beforehand in the expansion draft, or was that all kind of... Um, A little bit like, oh, I guess devils aren't going to protect me, and and you know, was it a surprise or how'd that go?
0: Yeah, it was a surprise. Uh, 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 I say yes and no. Um, Mm -hmm. I I had heard uh, three days before we were flying home in the the summer of ninety two. We were flying back to Winnipeg because that was our summer home, Mm -hmm. and we had three three boys, and uh, at that point and. Lou Lamorello told me 3 days before I flew back that he was going to leave me unprotected but that he talked to um um uh, Mel Bridgman, Bridgman. Yeah. the general yeah. manager of the the Ottawa Senators and Phil Esposito, the general manager of the new Tampa Bay uh hockey club that yeah. that uh that they they weren't going to take me. So he said, you know, you're you're, uh, looks like you're going to be just fine, mm-hmm. and you're going to come back. And I, I had you know, three years left in my contract, and I was looking forward to it, and right. all that kind of stuff. And um, so anyways, again, this is Steve. Uh, this is pre-cell phone days. So right. our flight took us from Newark, New Jersey, to uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then Minneapolis to Winnipeg. And right. so uh, when we got to... Um, Minneapolis, uh, uh, my wife was in line with our three kids, and so I, I went to a bank of pay phones, and I called my parents. I couldn't get a hold of them, and I called an, another buddy, and I, I said to him, I said, uh, hey, you know, hey, listen, uh, Greg, ha- have you heard, did you listen for the expansion draft today? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, right. I heard it. Yep. I said, did you hear my name? He said, no, no, I didn't hear anything. I said, oh, <laughs> okay, great. great. So I get back. Nice and- buddy you got here, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> So I get back in the line, you know, to right. my wife, uh, you know, Nancy, I said, hey, listen, we're uh, going back to New Jersey, and she said, oh, great. You know, right. So anyways, we get into Winnipeg, we get all our stuff, our car seats and all that kind of stuff. We've got our three kids. we got our two carts loaded down going through um, security, and we hand the security card to the security person there, and he says, oh, hey, uh, Lori, you're back for the summer, are you? And he said, yeah, 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 we're back yeah uh, and he says, uh, "What do you think about getting picked up by the Ottawa Senators in the expansion draft?" I said, "Are you kidding me?" So that's how we found out,
2: Steve. We uh, found
0: out from, the, from security the security guard
2: at Winnipeg uh, Airport that we got picked up. So, thanks, thanks, Bug. Was it was it your buddy Greg? Was that Brad? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for not paying attention. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, hey, honey, uh, I guess we're going yeah. to Ottawa. Yeah. Um, 1070 and four the first year, but you won your first game in Ottawa, yeah. and you were captain, which was had to be cool. Had to have been a nice honor.
0: Uh, yeah, it was a nice honor, uh, Steve. It, it it really was. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Uh, I I knew it was going to be a long year. I just didn't yeah. realize how difficult it was <laughs> going to be because it was difficult. Uh, sure. You know, when yeah. you're used to being on a very competitive team and uh, and teams that y- you know really were good enough to compete for the Stanley Cup uh, to go for a team, you knew it was going to be. Really Oh, tough, yeah.
2: That yeah, uh, yeah, was tough. I mean, that was
0: really,
2: it was really, like, just extremely difficult. Um, Rick Bonus was your coach, and he is still mm-hmm. coaching. He's still around. So. Yeah, Rick yeah. has uh, been an assistant coach oh, uh, dude, right? for a number of years. I think he's coached a... Like, you know, 1,500,
0: 2,000 games. I don't know what he's... But he's been around a long time, yeah. He certainly has been. You were
2: back with a bandit, too, that first year. <laughs> the bandit in yeah, Winnipeg.
0: Polkia, yeah, Pukia <laughs> was, was one of our goalies. But uh, yeah. uh, uh, Pete Sadorkowicz was our main guy. Main guy, he, yeah. He did great,
2: yeah. My buddy was a Whaler fan. He loved Pete. And then when oh, okay. Pete got <laughs> shell-shocked in Ottawa, he was not happy. <laughs> Right. Um, and Jim Kite, too, was there. Like, what well, Kind of a, just a cast-off of dudes, right? Just it, like it one was, of those, yeah. you're just like, hey, I remember you, and you played yeah. here, and I <laughs> played over yeah. there. Exactly. Um, I d- talked to uh, one of your things after Ottawa. Um, your contract was up, and I, I you went to the British Hockey League for a real brief time. Did you get any NHL sniffs, or did you kind of realize it was over? And, no, I, I, I was ready for it to be you were?
0: over at that yep. particular time. That was such a bad year, that last year with <laughs> Ottawa. And... Uh, and so Doug Smell, a former yeah. you know, teammate of mine, was playing over in in uh, in England in the British Ice Hockey League, and and uh, he had called me up after I had been retired for two years and said, "Hey, listen, our import went down. The owner asked me to try and you know find someone on short notice. Can you make it?" Okay. And uh, so basically, I said, "Well, listen, Doug, I haven't skated in two years," <laughs> and uh, he said, "Listen." Uh, you know, yeah. caliber is not that strong. He said, You won't, you, you'll have no trouble. Yeah, he was the Gretzky of the British Hockey League. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was lighting it up. He was, So yeah. So, anyways, I, I went over there and, uh, okay, and, and for six weeks and, and had a real fun.
2: Yeah. I just when you look at your hockey uh DB you see this five flyers or fee flyers and you're like yep. what happened yeah. <laughs> what was that all about did you lose a yeah. bet or something Yeah, so. yeah,
0: exactly. No, that we were a team in the in the British ice hockey league right near St Andrews where the birth birthplace of golf, golf uh yeah. is 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 right near the golf course where
2: St Andrews is and so so it's just a, just um, a a lovely area. A couple more questions here. Laurie Boschman on the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for doing this, Laurie. Um, so the religion thing, as we talked about it, it kind of, you know, started in Toronto, got traded to Edmonton. Did you, I mean, we're in the late 80s when you're the Jets and the Devils. Are you still hearing about this? Chirping? Yeah. Like, is guys still doing this kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really,
0: huh? My whole, my whole career, for sure, yeah. Gee you know, whiz. <laughs> you know, and, and it, I was totally fine with Yeah, yeah, it, you know, yeah. It didn't bother me whatsoever, but... Uh, you know, it was kind of, but one of I just, those things where go hit them with your Bible Boschman or you Bible thumper or, you know, you hypocrite, those kinds of things. Yeah, but you, know, I,
2: like you were, a, you played hard. You checked guys. You fought. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember you fighting specifically a lot of fights, but I do remember a few. Yeah, Like, you know, you weren't this guy that just skated around and didn't initiate contact. So for people to chirp you, you're like, come on, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just
0: all part of that. Right. You know, trying to get an advantage, I guess, and all that kind of stuff so sure it never really bothered me
2: is there is there a goal or two that stands out for you um in your career big ones or just ones where you you know were on fire you roofed it on fear or anything like that like any sort of goals that stand out for you that that uh, you you know you want to show your kids some highlights one day uh
0: you know not really i mean i i, I don't really like
2: uh
0: yeah i you know what to be honest, I don't like. I don't. I I watch hockey today, but I don't watch any yeah. of my, you know, games the way I, right. uh, you know, back when I played. And mm-hmm. I, I, I never did, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. And and sure, you remember some goals and stuff, but uh, you you don't, uh, you know, you don't dwell on that. Uh, you know, I, I look at it, Steve, as you know, I had the, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, and I say this. Uh, I was blessed to play a game I loved Mm -hmm. for 14 years, and I consider myself extremely fortunate, and I'm grateful for that. But you know, hockey's not; it it doesn't define me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's a part of my life, a huge part of my life, and I I work in the in the game of hockey. um, But you know, it's just not; it's not all uh, who I am and uh and so i don't sort of dwell on that or think of that those kinds of things too much because uh you know i uh, i i i probably chirp the young guys that i play hockey with on wednesday afternoons here more <laughs> and, and and give them you know give them more grief yeah, yeah. or cuz i tell them listen there's i'm doing something the 55
2: year old shouldn't be doing so you you're know, still strapping them on i like that than, oh, yeah yeah so so anyways it's you know, uh, I was playing here in Vegas. There's two rinks in Vegas. I was playing some pickup hockey. Uh, I haven't done it for a couple of years, and I'm in the skate shop. And I look up, and there's just giant picture of Pokey Reddick in a you know mid-80s jet uniform. <laughs> really? And I'm like, wow, that is really random. Like he's stretching out. He's like you know making a big giant kick save or something. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really random. Okay, all right. And I'm just getting my skate sharpened. And like this short black guy walks through, and I'm like, that looks like Pokey Reddick. Yeah. And it was. He's, oh, right he name? was the He was the, the the skate shop manager of this rink. Oh, okay. and he has a giant photo of himself, and I'm like, oh wow, this is super weird. He's very pumped that I recognize him, though. He doesn't get a lot of that, I guess. So oh, that's really funny. Like, yeah. Are you well, Poky He, he had Played in the <laughs> international league, I believe in Los Angeles. Yes, Las exactly Vegas, what he told me. He loved it, so he just settled here. You know. Oh, okay. So okay. I was like, hey, Pokey Reddick. So there we go. That's really funny. Yeah, kind of funny. Well, Laurie, thank you for taking the time for us today. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks to Ray Neufeld, too, for helping out and um, getting me your phone number and you agreeing to do it. I love getting these stories out. I feel like a lot of retired NHLers, guys that we watch, guys that we still watch, think about, don't, you know, there's not a lot of uh, media attention and things like that. And I just, I'm happy to, to, you know, talk to you and try to get a story and entertain myself and the listeners. So um, you had a great career. And uh, it sounds like you're doing well now, and, and thank you very much for for doing this. Hope you had fun. Yeah, I, I did,
0: Steve. Yeah, thanks very
2: much, and uh, and Merry
0: Christmas to you. You too. Thank you very again, Laurie. Okay. All right. Bye bye.